today we're going to be looking at the historical background for the Last Supper. We're going to start by looking at 1 Corinthians, which is our oldest account of the Last Supper. Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, and he was reminding them about what he had already taught them about the Last Supper. Now, the church that Paul was writing to at Corinth was having some issues with the Last Supper, and particularly, Paul describes those issues this way. He says that there were some people who were coming to the meal, and they were coming early, and they were basically eating all the food and drinking all the wine and getting drunk, while other people were coming late, and there wasn't anything left for them to eat. And Paul actually says to them, not only that these things shouldn't be so, but that when they act in this kind of way, they're not celebrating the Lord's Supper. And from there, he takes us into the very familiar words that I'm going to review in just a moment. But first, I want to notice two things from that introductory passage. One is that this was a communal meal. It wasn't just a little bread and a little juice shared in some kind of church context, but it was actually a real meal, and people were expecting to come and be able to eat a real meal together. So Paul says to them, look, I want to remind you about the things that I already told you about. What this makes clear to us is that the Last Supper was a tradition that Paul was passing on to the Corinthians. So already 20 years after the death of Jesus, the Last Supper had become a communal tradition that was being shared by the church. And in that context, Paul says to them, I want you to remember what I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And we know these words, this is my body which is for you, and this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And both of them finish with the instruction to remember Jesus when you partake of the blood, sorry, when you partake of the cup and when you partake of the bread. So Paul points the Corinthians to Jesus' self-sacrifice, to his laying down of his body and his laying down of his blood in order to provide for the people at Corinth. And he's going to say to them something like, you know what, you should be considering one another. And so he says to them, when you come together and you gather together around this meal, you should reflect on the body. Now, a lot of people have read this as in, you should kind of have an introspective moment. You should think about whether you've sinned or whether you have something against Jesus and you should confess it. And that's not a bad thing to do. But I don't think it's what Paul means in this verse. I think what he's doing is using a double entendre here, a double meaning to say, consider the body of Jesus and don't disrespect that, but also consider the body of Jesus, his people the church. After all, Paul is going to go on in the very next chapter to talk about the church as the body of Christ. And here he's saying, if you see that you have something against somebody in the congregation, somebody in the group of people that you're sharing this meal with, go to them and make it right. And when you do so, you'll be blessed. Instead of receiving the kinds of mm, experiences of sickness and death that have become part of their congregation, 
So that's the first instance of the historical background that I want to talk with you about today. But I also want to talk to you about the historical background for the Gospel accounts. Now remember, the Gospel accounts are much later than 1 Corinthians. So our earliest account in the Gospel of Mark is probably written sometime after 70 AD, so about 35 years after the death of Jesus. And the other Gospels, the other synoptic Gospels like Luke and Matthew are written even later than that. And there's two contexts that I want to talk to you about related to the Gospels that contribute to our understanding of 1 Corinthians as well. And those two contexts are Passover and Covenant. In Luke's Gospel, it's very clear that Jesus is celebrating a Passover meal. In fact, Jesus, when he's gathered together with his disciples, in other words, his familial group, the people that he had come to love and treasure, he said to them, I can't wait to celebrate this Passover meal with you. He was looking forward to this meal. Well, we need to know what Passover is. Passover is that celebration that the Jewish people participated in when they remembered that time when God delivered them from slavery in Egypt. We have over and over these references in the Old Testament. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And that is what people looked back to during the time of the Passover meal. Every year we remember that God delivered us from Egypt. But the second thing they remembered is not just that God delivered them, which was an amazing gift in and of itself. In fact, an act of grace, grace before law but also that God had brought them to Mount Sinai and there he had made a covenant with them. A covenant, that is a sign of God's desire to live a faithful, loyal relationship between himself and his people. So Jesus, in Luke's gospel in particular, we see him taking two cups and blessing two cups. Why two cups in Luke's Gospel? It's part of the Passover meal. The Passover meal the Jewish people would have celebrated with four cups of wine that they would have shared together over a long extended celebratory meal. Jesus takes those two cups and of one of them he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. So Jesus is not only celebrating a moment of deliverance, but in fact will end up pointing to himself as the means, the new means of deliverance. The people of Israel, they were rescued from deliverance, delivered from Egypt. Jesus is now going to deliver people from sin and deliver people from death. The people of Israel were brought to Mount Sinai and there they entered into a covenant relationship with God. They entered into that relationship through some sacrifices that were made and the sprinkling of blood that purified that group of people. Well, Jesus himself now says that his blood is going to be that sign of the new covenant. In his blood, the people that he is going to constitute as the new Israel will enter into a loyal and faithful relationship with their Savior who delivers them from sin and death. And Jesus says in these accounts in the, in the Synoptic Gospels, he says, I will not eat this meal again with you until I celebrate it anew in the kingdom of God. So this celebratory meal, this new Passover, this new covenant in Jesus is a moment when Jesus says the kingdom is beginning now. 
And when it culminates in its fullness, we will celebrate together a final, wonderful, celebratory meal in which we remember that God will make all things new, that God who delivers and rescues his people from sin and death will gather them together around a festive table and there celebrate the finality and fullness of the kingdom of God. So when we look at the historical background, the things I want you to take away are that one, this is a communal meal, a meal shared together among the people of God. Second, it's a covenantal meal, a meal which solidifies and reminds us of the relationship that we have through Jesus with a God who's, who keeps us in faithful and covenant loyalty relationships.